Yesterday was the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And in Washington, D.C., communists blocked World War II veterans from visiting their own monument. Yes, that sentence is as unbelievable, so unbelievable it's hard to believe that it's true. But I mean, we're talking very old men. We're talking about World War II veterans. These are the last of the last of the greatest generation, the men who freed the world. And they were marking the anniversary, the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, where American lives were lost. I mean, the carnage was unbelievable. And communists shut down the road intentionally. They called it disruptive direct action. They shut down the road intentionally and... The result of this was these World War II veterans who were specifically in D.C. to visit the monument in honor of the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor were unable to do so. I mean, you have to be a pretty bad person to do this to a World War II vet. The only reason, by the way, I'm, I'm all about protests. I'm all about peaceful protests. I'm all about loud and noisy protests. As long as you're not being violent, like, go for it. You have a right to protest whatever you want. That doesn't, your right to protest doesn't preclude you from being a jerk doesn't preclude you from being a jack wagon. And what kind of jack wagon would block a World War II vet? Well, the kind of jack wagon that would block a World War II vet that would exercise their right to free speech, their constitutionally protected right to be obnoxious, thanks to the World War II vets who either laid down their lives um, or their friends laid down their lives. They fought, they served, they sacrificed, and they wanted to mark this day this infamous, this day of infamy in U.S. history, and these communists blocked them. So what it was called is this, this protest was called Shutdown D.C., yes, aptly named here. And the reason that I want to point out that these were communists is because that's exactly what they are. If you go to their website, their organizing principles um, admit it. They say, we are not seeking a return to normalcy after Trump is what they're talking about. They said, because we know that returning to normal means returning to a system that was built on oppression. Rather, we see this as a time to rise up against the current crisis and move forward to dismantle the interlocking systems of oppression that have plagued this land for centuries. Okay, so they're admitting that they're trying to tear down the institutions that underpin our country, that make up our country. They don't want our system of government. They don't want our cultural system, our societal system. So what do they want instead? Well, it's obvious what they want instead. They want communism instead. So here are, some of, here are some of the folks, just to give you an idea of what this shutdown DC group of commies looked at, looked like. This was code pink. They parked a tank, a tank covered in butterflies in the middle of Washington, DC. Take a look at this. Police, the military industrial complex is like the prison industrial complex. Profit over people, cops over care, we demand. Now, what political statement were they trying to make with this? Well, they were there in support. Are you ready for this? They were there in support of Biden's Build Back Better plan. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, these communists were there to support Biden's agenda. Um, and they were there to oppose anybody who opposes Biden's agenda. And this video says it better than I can, says it in a way that I'm not going to say. They were singing a song. And just in case you can't pick up the words from the song, the words are F.U. Mansion. Take a listen.
They don't just want to F Manchin, they also want to F the police. Watch this. As I said, these are communists. And this is a really interesting point that I think is very important to make here. Because when I was watching this at first, I was like, well, okay, there's always nuts in Washington, D.C. Anybody who's been out in front of the White House knows that there, there are uh, crazies, there are fruits and nuts out there doing all kinds of weird stuff. But this is really important because these people, these, these people shutting down D.C. or part of this hashtag shutdown D.C. protest, these are admitted communists. They want to tear down our system. They don't want to return to normalcy. They want to assign illegitimacy and oppression to the entire United States as a justification for tearing down our system of government, our constitutional republic, our systems of law and justice, our cultural institutions. Um, they want to tear all this down because they want to replace it with Marxism. And I think this is really, really important to note because it makes perfect sense. It makes absolute perfect sense that communists would be out protesting in favor of Build Back Better because if you unpack Build Back Better, Build Back Better is communist. That is what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. We're going to talk about Build Back Better and why it's really just the same beast by a different name if you're talking about AOC's Green New Deal, if you're talking about Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All. If you're talking about Elizabeth Warren's unconstitutional, tyrannical wealth tax, Build Back Better is all of these things. This is what this monstrous bill achieves. They've just repackaged it. They put it in another layer of wrapping paper, told us that it's something different, you know, infrastructure one day, healthcare the next day, environmental justice the day after that. They'll call it by a different name, but what's in it is exactly the same. We're gonna talk about that in just a second, but first I wanna to talk to you about Moink Box. Do you hear that? If you could see and taste this bacon from moinkbox.com, you would order it right now. But for now, let me tell you, it's delicious. And I'm telling you, you've gotta get moinkbox.com. Now, I'm vegan, you know that, I know that. So I asked my husband, who's basically Ron Swanson, what he thought of this. I asked him for an endorsement and he tried it. He tried many of the different meats that they sent us. I actually posted a video online of him unboxing our box of meat here. Um, I cooked him the salmon and he said, it's delicious. Moink, however, delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. This helps family farms, by the way, become financially independent outside of big agriculture. This is a good thing. Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. So sign up at moinkbox.com Liz, and you will get a year of bacon for free. Then you can pick which meats you want delivered with your first box. So join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com Liz right now, and listeners to this show get free bacon for a year. That's right, one year of the best bacon you will ever taste, but for a limited time. This is spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com Liz. That's moinkbox.com Liz. I think you'll like it. My family certainly did.
Okay, so Build Back Better is the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, the wealth tax. It's cultural Marxism, uh, even governmental Marxism by a different name. So if you look at the Build Back Better plan, which is currently being held up, thank goodness, by Senator Manchin, what exactly is in it? So first of all, a lot of money is in it. These Democrats think we're stupid, and so they tell us, oh, it's fully paid for with taxes on the rich and taxes on corporations. No, 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 no. Even the Congressional Budget Office says, mm, that doesn't add up. Maybe that's the common core math that the Biden administration's using to try to get to that number where they say, well, we're going to spend trillions of dollars, but it actually costs nothing. No, that's a lie. And even if it were true, by the way, even accepting the premise that raising taxes on the quote unquote wealthy and raising taxes on corporations, um, even if that were enough money to pay for the programs in this bill, that doesn't cost nothing. It costs the wealthy and corporations money. And when the wealthy and corporations spend money, that means that they're not able to invest it. That means they're not able to hire new people. They're not able to pay their current workforce. They're not able to expand their businesses. They're actually forced to cut benefits, sometimes cut employees. That hurts everyday American people, low income, middle income, American people, the working class. So even accepting this premise, which isn't true, but accepting this premise that the rate, that the higher tax rate on the wealthy and the higher tax rate on corporations would pay for this and that it's paid for, fully paid for. Nobody's going to pay for this. That's actually false. We'll all pay for it even under that premise. However, that premise is false. The premise is completely false. You and I will, in fact, pay for this bill, pay for this Marxism. Um, and to start with, one of the reasons, one of the ways that they're going to get money from us all is they're going to hire new IRS agents to squeeze everybody for every dime that they are worth, to squeeze um, every bit of taxes out of our paychecks as possible. They're going to fund, I think it's what, $80 million um, to hire new IRS agents to generate the money to pay for this. So the IRS, well, you know, that's what everyone goes around saying around tax day. If only we had more IRS agents. If only there were more government bureaucrats dedicated to taking our money away from us and giving it to Congress so that they can misspend it and waste it and ugh. No one ever says that, but that's what Biden wants to do. He wants to hire more IRS agents. But if you look at this bill, if you take off the hideous wrapping paper and you look, as I said, Build Back Better, it's just the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, a wealth tax and cultural Marxism wrapped in a different package called by a different name. Let's pull out of this box um, the Green New Deal for a second, because if you look inside, this is what we find. We find Biden wants to establish a climate core a civilian climate corps. Now, what will this civilian climate corps do? They will act as um, radical environmentalists paid for on the government dime. This is really, really creepy stuff. This is very creepy stuff. The Biden administration wants to electrify the entire federal vehicle fleet and um, not electrify, they want to turn it green, essentially. They want to turn all the buildings green. Do you know how much this would cost you and I? Do you know how wasteful this is when we're talking about being responsible, spending your money and my money. Can you imagine electrifying the entire federal government fleet? What is this? This is virtue signaling on our dime. Joe Biden wants to reduce carbon emissions, you know, as an economy, as a whole country by 50%, 50% by 2030. What does that mean? That means he wants to stop using fossil fuels. What does it mean when you stop using fossil fuels? It means you're reliant on unreliable sources of energy, energy sources that rely on wind, 
energy sources that rely on sun. And by the way, you can't even have solar energy without using fossil fuels to build that. You can't have wind-powered energy without using fossil fuels to actually build those wind turbines. There's no such thing as eliminating fossil fuels and just being able to transition to this alternative form of energy. It doesn't exist. And if you remember from when AOC introduced the Green New Deal, she admitted that this technology doesn't exist. She said, we will rely on technology that has yet to be invented. And meanwhile, what happens to us? When it's not windy, when it's not sunny, what happens to us? Are we just supposed to be without energy? Well, if you look in Texas, if you look in California, that's what happens. Energy is rationed. There are rolling blackouts in California, scheduled blackouts, because they simply don't have enough energy to go around because they are implementing these radical environmentalist policies. This is what Biden wants in the entire country. This is what's inside the Build Back Better plan. This is the Green New Deal hidden inside this disguise, this new wrapping paper. There's also social engineering. Like I said, this is cultural Marxism. Build Back Better is communism. It's the, it's the gateway drug to communism. It's the slippery slope that you get to when you're trying to usher in, when you're trying to usher in Marxism into the United States, replace our system of government with socialism or communism or Marxism. This is why this, the, the DC protests, the shutdown DC protests makes sense. They admit they're communists, they're shutting down or they're trying to disrupt DC. They're blocking roads, preventing World War II veterans from visiting the monument, the memorial on the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. It makes sense why they would do that, why they would do that in support of Build Back Better, because Build Back Better includes all of these policies that tilt our country towards communism. The social engineering government is going to fund paid family leave. I know this is a very controversial topic. There are a lot of moms, even Republican moms, even conservative moms, that want this to happen because we all know how difficult it is when you're at a job, you're working, your family depends on your paycheck, you're pregnant, you have the baby, you obviously need time to recuperate, obviously, but you're not paid by work. You're just told, well, you can have six weeks of maternity leave and then you unpaid and then you can come back. Well, that's very difficult, sure, but when the government steps in and tries to regulate private businesses, there are private businesses that can't afford to do that. That's why we have a free market. Because private businesses that can't afford to do that, well, that's a benefit that they don't offer their employees. So their employees can choose, well, is it worth it for me to work at this place or should I work somewhere else? Because some of those companies, I mean, they're not all doing it with nefarious motives. They're not all doing it to be disrespectful to moms. Sometimes they can't afford to do it. They couldn't afford to have you on their payroll if that's a benefit that they have to give you. And hopefully they'll be able to grow. Hopefully they'll be able to build. Hopefully they will offer that at some point. But when the government is forcing a policy like this, it is actually just redistribution of wealth. It is the government saying, hey, company, the owner of the company, you have to give some of your money to this other person. And we don't want the government to have the power to do that because what is the limiting principle? What, can, what, what stops the government from in any other circumstance saying, actually, the owner of the business has to give more money to their employees? It's the problem with minimum wage too. It's redistribution of wealth, the government telling people what to do, disrupting the free market and dictating how our economy has to work, and it's, it's bad stuff. So this social engineering um, is paired in the Build Back Better plan with government indoctrination. There's this quote-unquote free universal pre-K for three-year-olds and four-year-olds. So a three-year-old doesn't need to go to school, right? A three-year-old is a three-year-old. A three-year-old is a toddler. A three-year-old is a baby. Pre-K, quote-unquote pre-K for a three-year-old is just glorified babysitting. Now, if you want to send your kid to that, that's fine, but it's not, it's not a necessary education step. It's childcare. And the government wants you to send your child to government-sponsored childcare because government-sponsored childcare can teach your child what the government wants your child to learn, wants 
what the government wants your child to think, how the government wants your child to eventually vote and act. And they're, they're claiming that this is free, but it's not free because these, these childcare workers, Biden wants to increase the amount of money that they're paid. So where does that money come from? Well, it comes from higher taxes. It comes from your paycheck and my paycheck that the Biden administration is taking away from us and giving to someone else. Again, it's redistribution of wealth. It's social engineering. And this time, with a very, very ulterior motive, government indoctrination of little children because little children are sponges. They'll pick up anything. They can be formed so easily. And if you can form them early into liberals, into Marxists, if you can form them into college students that need safe spaces, that cry when anyone dissents from their opinion, that you know can't stand anybody else's opinion, then you have the next generation of democratic politicians secure in their office because those children formed into weak adults will keep Democrats in office. This is what, I mean, this is why Biden is also wants to fund quote unquote free community college, including by the way, this free community college, obviously not free, obviously taken out of our paychecks, includes illegal aliens. This is social engineering and government indoctrination. There's, I mean, there's also the, the cost of this. They claim that nobody who makes under $400,000 a year is going to see any kind of tax increase, but this is just not true. There's been an estimate from a bipartisan Joint Committee on Taxation that was released this year that said that there will be increases for those making between $30,000 and $200,000 in 2027. This is just a couple years from now. They're just kicking the can down the road due to the planned expiration of the expanded child tax credit. There's also the marriage penalty. So they say if you make less than $400,000 a year, you won't see any tax increases. But if you're married, then you have to, then that becomes joint. So jointly then, if you make $400,000, or I think they might have raised it to jointly making $500,000, so as an individual, $250,000, then you will see a tax increase. So the Biden administration is lying about all of this. There are provisions in Build Back Better that pave the road for government-run healthcare, the Medicare for All plan, this idea that government bureaucrats know best. I mean, we're talking like Kathy Hochul, unilaterally canceling surgeries, elective surgeries in New York because of the fear of Omicron, which to my knowledge, no one has actually died from yet, certainly not crowding the hospitals. This is, this is what we're talking about. This is what's in Build Back Better. So you look at these communists in the road of DC, or in the roadways in DC, blocking World War II veterans from getting to the monument, even though these are the men that freed the world, the men who protected the rights of these commies to actually associate and dissent and pressure government and speak out, it makes sense. Communists support Build Back Better because it's communist. As I said, perfect, perfect sense. So this, this is the Democratic Party right now. This is not an aberration. These are not fringe elements of the Democratic Party. This is the heart of the Democratic Party. And let's talk about the heart of the Democratic Party. Let's talk about Kamala Harris for a second because she was supposed to be the heir apparent to um, the Democratic Party. She was supposed to be, you know, when Biden did his four years, she was supposed to just be the one that, that, that easily won in 2024 after serving as his, as his vice president. But there seems to be just a little bit of a problem with that plan because Kamala Harris is disliked not only by the right, but also by the left. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, let's talk about AMAC. The Liz Wheeler Show is very fortunate to be sponsored today by AMAC. Did you know that there is a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? It's called AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most impactful conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, 
cutting edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedoms with government controls. So stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Liz. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Liz. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. So join today at amac.us forward slash Liz. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Liz. You'll be glad you did. It's a great cause. Join AMAC today. Okay, so there have been all these articles about how disliked Kamala Harris is in her own office. And it's not just rumors because there's this space of um, employees or staffers of Kamala Harris who have quit recently. They've left They've left her office. I mean, she's been vice president less than a year. She came into office, by the way, in a very atypical way um, s- relating to her staff. Meaning, usually when a politician of that high profile comes into office, especially into the White House, they bring with them these these lifelong staffers, staffers that have been with them not only through the campaign, but usually in their previous jobs. You know, maybe they would have come from Kamala's Senate um, office. Maybe they would have come with her from California when she was attorney general. Kamala Harris brought very, very few long-term staffers with her. I think it was like one or two, which if you're, if you're, on Capitol Hill, if you're in if you're in DC in the Beltway, you know that this is very atypical. This doesn't really happen. I mean, Joe Biden, for example, to contrast, brought with him years of long-term staffers, people that he's surrounded himself with for a long time. Kamala Harris did not. So that was a red flag to begin with. But then recently her staff has become has begun to quit. Her communications director quit first, and then other staff members have left to quote unquote pursue other opportunities without even announcing what that other opportunity is. So Basically, it means they didn't, it's not like they got a really good job offer that they couldn't resist. Um, to the point where it's pretty obvious to everybody on both the right and the left that Kamala Harris is a toxic person to work for, regardless of your ideology. It's a bad workplace. There's reports that she doesn't read the briefing materials that her staff puts together. And then she gets angry at her staff. She blames them when she's ignorant in a situation, even though it was her who neglected to read the materials that they prepared to brief her on in the first place. I mean, Talk about a stressful situations. Talk about toxic. Talk about awful. Like I said, she came in thinking that she was this heir apparent, that she'd be given all these easy assignments by Joe Biden. She'd be sort of the star of the party, you know, and um, be very popular in the United States and then easily win election. That's, That's at least how it appears. Well, to combat these rumors, this absolutely slayed me. This, I just died when I saw this. To combat these rumors, there was a Kamala Harris staffer by the name, what is his name, David Ginz, who posted on Twitter this week, and I want to show this, I want to show this, for those watching, I want to show this on the screen. For those listening, I want to just describe what we're looking at here. This is a picture of a Kamala Harris staffer sitting at his desk, facing his computer. It's taken from the side of the room, so you see his profile Um, and you see the door to the vice president's office here. This is what he tweeted. I kid you not. This was not the Babylon Bee. This is real life. He said, hi, my name is David Ginz. I work for Vice President Harris on behalf of the American people as deputy director for operations and absolutely love my job. Just thought some of you should know. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. This is not the Babylon Bee. This is not satire. This is real life. And the fact that he's sitting there and all you can see is his profile. All I can think is, are you okay, dude? 
Like, is this a hostage situation? Is somebody pointing a gun at you from behind the camera? This is how Kamala Harris's office thinks that they can combat these rumors by having the most awkward, most ridiculous, most inauthentic tweet on the face of the earth. This absolutely slayed me. Absolutely slayed me. I like being her staff. I promise. I promise I like it. I like it. Did I do that right, Ms. Vice President? Did I do that right, Madam Vice President? I mean, this is the most ridiculous thing. Absolutely hilarious. Um, I don't know. I think it was Ben Shapiro who tweeted, blink twice if you need help. And I think that's accurate. I think that's a very funny thing. So here's my, here's my prediction, though. So one of Kamala Harris's staffers that did quit was Simone Sanders. Simone Sanders is a very high-level Democratic operative. She was the woman behind Bernie Sanders, if you will. Um, during, during 2016, the 2016 primary, Simone Sanders was Bernie Sanders' campaign manager, I believe. I believe she was in charge of his whole campaign. And she's very, very deeply entrenched in the Democratic Party. And she rides that line between um, between the squad and the Bernie Sanders, the feel the burn people, and Democratic establishment, which is hard to do. It's hard to do. Usually there's the one faction like the AOCs and the other faction like the Nancy Pelosi's. And Simone Sanders um, rides that line between the two, which makes her a very powerful operative. She quit Kamala Harris's office, as I said, less than a year into it. And I have a prediction to make about Simone Sanders. I think Simone Sanders quit. She said, I believe, something vague and inane, like going to pursue other opportunities or needed a time to rest or something like that. What you say when you don't want to announce what you're doing next. But I think... I think Simone Sanders is going to work for Stacey Abrams. Because Stacey Abrams, you remember Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams was the Democrats' woman who ran against Brian Kemp in 2018 in the state of Georgia, who lost that race. Brian Kemp won that race, and Stacey Abrams refused to concede. Um, she basically said that the election was stolen from her and you know made a name for herself just based off of refusing to acknowledge the legitimacy of that election, which again is ironic given how the Democrats had claimed that Trump was not going to accept the legitimacy of the 2016 election, and then Hillary was the one who didn't accept the legitimacy of the election. And then in 2020, when Trump didn't accept the legitimacy of the election, the Democrats said that was a threat to democracy. All of this is surrounding Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Um, and the Democrats don't say a word about it. They don't say she's a threat to democracy. They don't say she's a sore loser. They just allow her to exist saying that, still including her as one of their credible party members when she's doing exactly the same thing as um, other Republicans are doing, or at least being falsely accused of doing, if we're talking about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and the Democrats claim that that is a threat to democracy. So that's who Stacey Abrams is. Stacey Abrams has announced that she will be running for governor of Georgia again. She's going to face off against whoever the Republican candidate is. I know there's still some um, controversy about who is going to run in that primary, who is going to be the Republican nominee. Is it going to be David Perdue? Is it going to be Brian Kemp? That's a conversation for a different day. But Stacey Abrams is going to run again for governor of Georgia. My guess, my guess, I don't have any inside knowledge of this, but just in my experience watching politics, observing politics, being part of politics, I think Simone Sanders is going to go help Stacey Abrams because the Democrats desperately, desperately want Stacey Abrams to actually, you know, have something on her resume besides bitterness. They want Stacey Abrams to be the heir apparent of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is done with Kamala Harris. The Democratic Party gave Kamala Harris multiple chances. They rejected her in the primary. What did she get? Less than 3% of um, primary votes. And then she dropped out extremely early. She dropped out because she was such a failure. She's now vice president. 
She was chosen by Biden, not because she was popular, not because she was a success, not because she's a good partner. She was chosen because of token characteristics, because Biden is an old white man, and old white men are demonized in the Democratic Party now. So he needed a woman. He needed a woman of color. But Kamala Harris has failed. Even her staff doesn't like her. So I think Simone Sanders is going to help Stacey Abrams. I think Stacey Abrams is who the Democrats want to be their heir apparent. But let's get something very clear here. Stacey Abrams is a liar. She was a liar in 2018 when she lost the election legitimately to Brian Kemp. And she's lying about it now. And the Democrats in the mainstream media are allowing her to lie about it, but you and I should not. So Stacey Abrams claimed this week, she was talking to Rachel Maddow, and this is what she said. She goes, I did not challenge the outcome of the election in 2018, unlike some recent folks did. Like the audacity of this woman, by the way, the audacity. She's trying to criticize Trump for doing something that she literally did first and is doing to this day. She goes, I did not challenge the outcome of the election, unlike some recent folks did. What I said was that the system was not fair and leaders change systems. Leaders say we can do better. That's what I declared. I could not in good conscience say that in order to protect my political future, I'm going to be silent about the political present, which is that we have a system under a leader that sought to keep people from casting their ballot, that threw the ballots out, that said that voter suppression was a viable tactic for winning elections. This is what Stacey Abrams says this week to Rachel Maddow. So this is an absolute lie. It's a falsehood. It's provably a lie, provably a falsehood. So we rewind, journey back to the election. It was on November 6th of 2018 that Stacey Abrams lost the gubernatorial race in Georgia. She did not end her candidacy, if you will, for 10 more days. It wasn't until the 16th of November that she admitted that Brian Kemp would be governor of Georgia. And um, this is what she said. She said, I acknowledge that former Secretary of State Brian Kemp will be certified as the victor in the 2018 gubernatorial election, but to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people of this state badly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of the people's democratic right to vote has been truly appalling. So to be clear, she says, this is not a speech of concession. Concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. As a woman of conscience and faith, I cannot concede. That's what she said 10 days after the election. Then... A year later in 2019, at Vanderbilt University, she says, I don't concede that I lost. I acknowledge that I'm not the governor of Georgia. Again, questioning the legitimacy. Again, at another event, she says, I'm going to tell you what I've told folks across the state. And this is not a partisan statement. LOL, of course it is. She goes, it's a true statement. We won. On MSNBC, she said, I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. 12 times, according to the Washington Free Beacon, 12 times. Stacey Abrams said that she actually won the election. She did not acknowledge the, her defeat. She did not concede. She hasn't to this day conceded, to my knowledge. And yet she claims to Rachel Maddow that she did not challenge the outcome of the election. Stacey Abrams is a liar. She is a dangerous liar. Stacey Abrams is the heir apparent to the Democratic Party because Kamala Harris is a failure. The Democratic Party wants Stacey Abrams to be the face of their party. And remember, remember what the Democratic Party stands for. Go all the way back to the communists that are shutting down D.C. The reason the communists are protesting in favor of Biden's Build Back Better plan is because inside Biden's Build Back Better plan is the Green New Deal and Medicare for All and wealth tax and redistribution of wealth and government indoctrination and social engineering and Marxism. And who better... Who better to be the face of a party that supports Marxism than a woman who wants to tear down the system, the electoral system, 
that exists in our country simply because she was bitter that she lost the election. This is what we're facing. This is what we're facing right now. And the, Re the Republican Party needs to acknowledge what we're facing, that we're not just facing this vague, nameless, faceless threat of Marxism, that there are actually democratic operatives who are carrying this ideology, who are committed to this ideology, who will not rest until this ideology has poisoned the United States, has been made into law. And yet, who do we get? Who do we get as Republican candidates? What kind of Republicans are going to stand up to this? Republicans of backbone, but that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing Republicans of backbone. We're seeing something opposite, something awful. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. But first, I wanna to talk to you about disco. I think it's pretty universal that if you're a man, you know that you should be using some kind of skincare products on your face. But maybe you're not sure exactly what to use, so it ends up that you don't do it at all. But that is bad. That is bad because don't you want to eliminate those bags under your eyes? Is your skin too dry? Does your partner want to make some changes? Are you tired of razor burn? Are you unhappy with the way your skin looks and you're not sure how to go about addressing those issues? If any of this rings a bell, then you should try the skincare line that my husband has been using recently. It's called Disco. Disco is a clean skincare brand based in Austin, Texas. All Disco products are created specifically for male skin issues like under eye bags, dark circles, acne, razor burn, oily skin, dry skin, and wrinkles. They are easy to use, effective, and affordable. They take the guesswork out of taking care of your skin because they tell you exactly which products to use and when. Again, taking the guesswork out of skincare. It's great. If you want to check out Disco and try their incredible skincare products for yourself, we have a special offer for the Liz Wheeler Show audience. Go to letsdisco.com and enter Liz at checkout. If you do this, you will get 30% off your first order. That's letsdisco.com with Liz for 30% off your first order. And thank you, Disco, for being a sponsor of this show. So we need Republicans in office who are not only willing to challenge the left, but who understand that the left has this undercurrent, this foundation of communism right now, and that they have operatives like Stacey Abrams, like Kamala Harris, like Biden, like Biden's Build Back Better plan that are designed to usher Marxism into our country. And we have to have Republicans that acknowledge the reality of that and then have the backbone, the stamina, the fire in their belly to fight back on this, to fight back um, against this. Instead, we're offered candidates like Dr. Oz. Now listen, before I get into this, Dr. Oz is correct compared to Dr. Fauci when it comes to COVID-19. So credit where credit's due, that's fine. But Dr. Oz is now running for the Senate and he claims that he is a Republican. He claims that he's a conservative Republican. Those are her, his words from his website. And like, are we gonna believe this? Are you kidding me? Is Dr. Dr. Oz might be the biggest fraudulent Republican that I've ever seen. And I, I say this as someone who wants there to be Republicans with a spine, wants there to be people willing to step up and fight for our nation's founding values, for your freedom and my freedom, for justice and liberty. Dr. Oz is not the right candidate for this. Dr. Oz is an absolute fraud. And here's what I'm talking about. Dr. Oz claims to be a conservative Republican. And yet in 2019, this is two years ago, mind you, 2019, Dr. Oz was against any pro-life bills. It was the Alabama abortion bill that, um, that outlawed abortion after a heartbeat was detected. And Dr. Oz parroted the Democratic talking point, the pro-abortion talking point, I should say, that it's not a beating heart at six weeks. It's just little electrical charges. He, he I mean, he was carrying water essentially for the pro-abortion left. Take a listen to this. 
on Alabama and these anti-abortion laws that they're passing in Alabama. Well, that they've passed. Is that healthy? I'm I'm really worried about it. I, I tell you, I I've taken care of a lot of women mm-hmm. who've had uh, issues around childbirth. The problem with the law as it stands now, and I think the, I think the law was really only passed to generate a Supreme Court challenge. But most women don't know they're pregnant. And it's only it's two weeks past your last period mm-hmm. when you'll when you have to decide by what. Well, yeah. I, and I have people That's on the show all the time who've never know they were pregnant, even when they were delivering. 50% of women don't know they're pregnant when they're pregnant. Jesus. So you're asking women to decide almost instantaneously if they're pregnant or not. And they, it's also banned in case of incest and rape. And so uh, I don't quite get it as a doctor. And the other thing is this whole thing about heart beating. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're electrical changes at six weeks, but the heart's not beating. Mm-hmm. If you if you were If you were to say... Starting from when we can hear the heart, like mm-hmm. when the heart's really doing something, that would be different. Mm-hmm. That's not six weeks, though. Right. So if you can define life by a beating heart, then make it a beating heart. Not little electrical sh- changes in a, in a cell that's not a, that no one would hear would think about as a heart. Now, here's what I would say. You can change your mind on abortion. And we invite you, as pro-lifers, we invite you to change your mind on abortion. But when you go from being very pro-abortion to very pro-life, that requires some sort of conversion story. It's not something that just in the space of two years, you were defending Roe v. Wade, which he also did in 2019. You were dehumanizing unborn babies, as he did in this video. You don't go from that to all of a sudden claiming that you are a conservative Republican and pro-life unless there was some event that changed your heart, that changed your mind. And if you have that sort of conversion event, of course you're gonna talk about it. That's actually a politician's dream come true. If you can have some illustrative story of personal conversion, that's the best way to relate to your voters. That's the best way to convince people to humanize yourself, to personalize yourself to voters. Like I said, that's it's every PR, every political PR firm's dream is to have a personal conversion story. Why did you become conservative? Because this is what changed for me. This is what I saw. And I'll compare this actually to Donald Trump because Donald Trump used to be pro-abortion and he used to call himself pro-choice. And then he was a very pro-life president. And on the campaign trail, he said he was pro-life. But here's the thing. Pro-lifers such as me asked, well, what changed? Is this believable? Is he just pandering to us? Will he actually govern in a pro-life way? And you know what? His answer to these questions, first of all, he actually addressed it. He didn't just brush it under the rug. He said, yeah, I used to be pro-choice. And then he told his personal conversion story. He said he had a friend who impregnated a woman and he asked her, I believe, to get an abortion. She didn't. And Trump said that child was the best thing that ever happened for him. And I realized if he had aborted that child, then that child wouldn't be here. So fast forward to the debate stage between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. We all remember him challenging Hillary Clinton on late-term abortion and saying, listen, under your extreme radical abortion policy, you could abort a child the day before that child was to be born. And that is not right. That's what you do if you have a personal conversion story. That's what you do if you change your mind from being pro-abortion to pro-life and you're invited to do so, I encourage you to do so. I pray that you will do so. But if you don't acknowledge that there's a conversion, then I don't trust you. I don't trust that you're going to be pro-life if you win your Senate race. I don't trust that Dr. Oz actually is pro-life because he never actually says that he's pro-life. He says, listen, if the Supreme Court decides to overturn Roe v. Wade because they believe that's what's in the Constitution, I'm okay with that. That's not what a pro-lifer says. He said, I'm a, I'm a heart surgeon. I've held a beating heart in my hands. Sure, great. But you also have said before that you don't think it's a heartbeat at six weeks gestation. You don't think that unborn child 
is an unborn child if you don't think that that is a heart. You are essentially, like I said, you're carrying water for the pro-abortion left. So I, I don't believe, I don't believe that he's pro-life unless he has some way that he can prove this to us. Also, and the reason, this is compound by the fact that if you look at his history of political donations, Dr. Oz has donated to Democrats. In 2011, he donated to uh, Sherrod Brown from Ohio, really, really far leftist senator. He donated to Charlie Rangel in 2001, very, very far leftist. In this one, this is just the icing on the cake. He donated to John Kerry's Senate campaign. Again, if you used to be a Democrat and you are now a Republican, you are welcome. I'm so happy to have you. But there has to be some reason that you became conservative, some reason that you're Republican, and you have to share that or else, or else what's gonna happen is he's gonna get to the Senate if he wins and he's just gonna be another Mitt Romney. He's just gonna be another Adam Kinzinger. He's just gonna be another Liz Cheney. He's just gonna be another rhino, another Republican in name only, who's not conservative, who doesn't have the fire in the belly, who doesn't have the spine to stand up to these radical leftist Democrats who want to usher in cultural Marxism and communism. Is Dr. Oz a fraud? I think so. I hope I'm wrong here. I don't think I'm wrong here. And again, the reason that this is so important, the reason that this is so important to fight back is because in Washington, D.C., in the Beltway, in the Beltway, this concentration of power leads to corruption. It's why Donald Trump spent so much time talking about draining the swamp. Now, we know that the swamp cannot be drained by one person. The swamp is the administrative state, right? It's this idea that, not the idea, it's this practice that Congress has delegated their legislative duty and responsibility to these agencies in the executive branch and these bureaucrats that staff these agencies that are unaccountable to the voter, that can barely ever be fired, that they actually make rules based on vague language that the legislature has sent them. They're the ones in charge of rulemaking that we as the American people are obligated to follow even though they weren't elected by us in the first place. So this is what actual draining the swamp means. But in this concentrated swamp, this concentration of power in the swamp, this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with an FBI, for example, with an FBI that appears to be grossly violating their duty and their responsibility to justice. Grossly violating it. And I'm not even talking about the Russia collusion narrative. I'm not even talking about how they trapped General Michael Flynn. I'm not even talking about, you know, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and how they concocted this plot to take down President Trump. They're still doing this. On Tucker Carlson this week, there was a lawyer for those who've been accused um, or those who've been charged for the January 6th stuff And this lawyer said that he has evidence that there were federal agents embedded within the crowds on January 6th who were handing out weapons to people and encouraging people to commit crimes with those weapons. And then the people that were handed the weapons by the federal agents were charged with illegal possession of the weapons. This is, of course, entrapment. Listen listen to this, it's shocking, take a listen. After months of investigation, Tucker, uh, these people still not have, have not been charged. We have multiple people on the ground, four in particular that we have identified. Let me just call one of these people out, somebody who was tagged on the internet by sedition hunters and capital hunters as Redface45. This is a person who is dressed in Trump gear, in MAGA gear. He's covered in red from head to toe. He's face paint, his face is painted, uh, uh, is painted MAGA red. He's got a Trump hat on, a Keep America Great Again hat on. Yet, he is clearly a law enforcement officer. He interacts with uniformed personnel. He interacts with agents in the crowd. He passes up weapons, sled 
sledgehammers, poles, mace, some of those things come into contact with other protesters who have subsequently been charged with possessing dangerous weapons and or using dangerous weapons at the Capitol. That is clearly that is clearly entrapment. That is clearly the government creating conditions of dangerousness and entrapping members of the crowd to possess weapons and possibly use them for reasons that we cannot comprehend. If this is true, this is Soviet-style political targeting of individuals based only on the individual's political views, only on their ideology, only on the fact that they were pro-Trump, that they were anti-Biden. Again, this is not an isolated incident. This is, this, the FBI has a pattern of doing this. This is what the FBI did. This is what the FBI did with the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case. Remember that? We did a whole episode on it where there were these, these, these group of vagabonds who were discussing kidnapping Gretchen Whitmer, but had no means to do so. They were not able to actually carry this out. It was basically just, excuse my French, but shit talking online. Federal agents overheard this, sent infiltrators in, actually organized this kidnapping with money, with means. They brought people together. They paid for their travel. This group of, this group of um, I don't even know what to call them, malcontents, this group of terrible people who were discussing this terrible thing. And the feds actually organized this. And at the last second, of course, arrested all of the people surrounding them that they'd organized. This is entrapment. It's entrapment. It's like that picture that we saw from that quote-unquote far-right rally in... DC, where the group of feds were so obvious, so obvious, they had their fed haircut that you could see that they were packing. These group of feds that had infiltrated the, this group, if this is true, what this lawyer on Tucker Carlson is alleging, that the federal government, agents of the federal government, were entrapping citizens on January 6th by handing them weapons, encouraging them to commit crimes with those weapons, and then arresting those people, those individual citizens, for illegal possession of weapons, that is beyond wrong. That is communist, is what that is. This is what we're facing. This level of corruption that the federal government would be so blatant, they would be so bold as to target people based on their political ideology. Again, this is what we're facing. And we can circle all the way back to the communists blocking roads, shutting down DC in favor of Biden's Build Back Better. We have one side of the aisle, the left, who actually thinks that Marxism and socialism and communism is best. They want to put this in our country, to impose this in our country. They want to tear down our system, our institution, our government, our country. And then you have the rights. And it's our duty and responsibility to fight back. And we need to have people in government on the right who have the spine and the backbone to do so. We need to have people like you and I who are willing to speak reality and contradict the left and stand up for what's right and vote actual conservatives with an actual fire in their belly to fight back against communism to represent us in the United States government, in the United States Congress. Now, this, there, there's always going to be a divide in the, in the Republican Party, in the conservative movement, because we're independent thinkers, about what it means to be conservative, what it means to be Republican. And this week, we have an interview on Locals with Yoram Hazani, who is a fascinating man. He's the chairman of the Edmund Burke Foundation. He's the host of the National Conservatism Conference. You probably remember, I went to that a few weeks back, or I guess it was over a month ago now. And we did a lot of interviews from the National Conservatism Conference. Um, this dropped on Locals today. If you are a VIP, you have exclusive early access to see this. Highly recommend, because we discuss this idea. What is 
you know, nationalism? What is nationalist conservatism? And how can conservatives of slightly different viewpoints form an alliance against, you know, Marxists, the Marxists that we see in DC? And it was an absolutely fascinating discussion. So if you're not a VIP uh, on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals and you want to check this out, um, well, you're in luck because now through Christmas, you can become a Locals VIP for the low, low price of just $56 a year. This is the lowest price that you will ever see to become a VIP on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. Um, we have a lot of great things. It's not just early access to interviews. Yesterday, I did a live stream where we talked about de Blasio and his vaccine mandate, and I um, broke down the absurdity of this vaccine mandate, not just from a legal perspective, but from a scientific practical perspective. And this was something, of course, that we couldn't put on big tech because you're not allowed to dissent from King Fauci's ideology on big tech. But on locals, for VIPs only, we can and we do. Um, also, we are going to do, I'm going, I'm planning on starting to do a uh, Friday live, a, a live stream with you, with the community on Locals, um, every Friday, same time, same place, so we can all put it in our calendars. But before I start it, I want to come up with a really clever name for it, like uh, Spencer Clavin's Office Hours. Um, I want a really clever name for it, so I ask you guys on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, what should I name this? Because I couldn't come up with a clever idea, name for it uh, myself, and I gotta tell you guys, I was just cracking up. I was laughing my head off, listening to some, or reading some of these suggestions. I wanna read a couple of these suggestions, but um, Live with Liz was the most common. I know that's not really punny, but here, but it's a pretty good one because it's alliteration, right? Live with Liz. Listen to this one. This one just killed me. TGI Liz, instead of TGIF, TGI Liz. This one, this one just slayed me. Keeping it wheel, keeping it wheel. Now, I don't know if my producers are gonna let me use a very, very punny name, but I hope that they do because that one just slayed me. That one is so funny. Um, anyway, like I said, $56 a year, low, low price between now and Christmas. If you wanna be part of the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, be a VIP. It's really fun. It's a really great um, deal. And it's a really, really great community. So if you're not already part, I hope to see you over there. Um, LizWheelerShow.com slash Locals is how you can go and join up for the lowest, cheapest price that you will ever see. On that note, that's all I have for you today. Um, I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. If you haven't already subscribed on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your pods, please do so. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.